As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. And now the end is near. <sighs> So I face the final, the final curtain. curtain. My friends, I'll say, I'll say it clear, so clear. Kind of certain. Certain, I'm not sure. I'm certain. A life that's full of shit. I traveled each. And every highway. That's a lovely baritone. And but more, much more, much more than this. this. Enough, it was more than this. I did Oh, marvelous! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pod on the Tyne, your go-to. Weekly Newcastle United podcast brought to you by The Athletic. My name's Taylor Payne. And this week on the show, we're going to be reacting to that Arsenal game where Steve Bruce started doing things his way. We'll look at where Brucey goes from here. We'll have a little look forward towards the Aston Villa game, or maybe we won't look forward to it. We'll just really dread it. Uh, and we'll have a look at some tales from the away end down the years as well. But first of all, before we go any further, how are you two lovely chaps doing? George, Colgan and Chris Wolf. Chris, how are you? You're all right, mate. Uh, I'm gorging on fruit gums. Um, I thought you were going to say I'm gorgeous there. <laughs> I mean that that gorgeous. as well, but I just that doesn't need mm. to be said. Um, fruit gums—they're the really hard, chewy ones, aren't they? They are, yeah. Far mm. better than fruit pastels, and I will challenge anyone on that. Hush your just, dirty, no, whorish mouth, Chris. That's a no. what about fruit gums via versus wine gums, though? Fruit gums still. Fruit gums. Wine gums don't have any flavour, do they? They don't. Well, they, they don't you taste think, wine. Well, no, but they also don't taste of fruit or anything because they're different colours, but they all taste exactly the same. But your brain sees true. the colours and is tricked and thinking they all taste different. Is that different, true? I don't think that's true. Yes. They don't taste the same. They, they all taste identical wine gums. Right. I feel we're getting off topic here. But how well, are you, George? No, are you okay? I, their wine gums are similar to Newcastle United performances then. Absolutely indistinguishable from each other. <laughs> so that's... Give me some wine gums. <laughs> Give Absolutely. me some wine gums and let me wine. Come on. Just give me some wine, I think. That's yeah, I'm all right. Thank you. How are you? I'm all right, mate. Yeah, I'm okay. You know, battling on. Enjoyed a bit of a sing-song there. That was nice. It was lovely, wasn't it? 
Mm. It was lovely. It's nice to know Steve Bruce is doing things his way now and, and, and not anybody else's way. I, I wonder whose way he's been doing it for the last 18 months. I'm sure it we'll does, get into that in a bit more detail as we go. that question, yeah. yeah. Certainly does. I have, I, have a, I have an update of what I've been doing during lockdown. Mm. I made marmalade, bucket loads of marmalade over the weekend. Have you, it's bloody you hard work, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I, I wish I, I hope we come and take some off me because I had to freeze most of it because it's just take so bloody much of it. George, George has already claimed some because he, he, I gave him, I gave him some marmalade for Christmas and he ate it within like three days. It was a tiny pot, Chris. It was a tiny pot. It was like a, it was like a thimble. It was, it was, it was one of those presents you're kind of grateful for, but also sort of a bit ungrateful for. Cause it's like, mm, he's given me something, but he's given me so little of it that <laughs> he might as well have not bothered. He might as well have not bothered. It was well, delicious, though. Stuff. It was delicious, and I would like more. Well, you can have, have some of that. Uh, Thank you. Have you tried it on a waffle yet, Chris? <laughs> Marmalade and waffles, I don't think, go together, unfortunately. How the, how the hell would you know? Have you tried it? I haven't, actually, no. I'll, have to, well, I'll, I'll, I'll try it, and I'll get back to you. Good. Make sure you do. <laughs> what I was going to ask you, Chops, uh, before we move on, is uh, have you been writing about anything in particular this week? Uh, yeah, shit football mainly. Uh, Taylor, thanks for asking. <laughs> shit football connected to Newcastle, so that's pretty much what so the no job changed. Then what the job description is? Yeah, uh, Chris and I collaborated on a piece um, this weekend, basically, sort of about the whole idea of my way and change and the gloves being off and what that sort of means. Um, and really, it's actually a story of the fact that there's been probably too much change. That there have been nine changes in formation this season now there have been six different formations and from the people we spoke to we got an idea of the sense of mixed messages around the club players not being sure exactly what they're being asked to do I mean players want certainty you know that's what you want when you're a footballer you want to know what your job is and what the job of everybody else is and so that's been one of the problems at Newcastle Um, so you know, we'll talk about Arsenal in a bit, but I think one of the key things is if you have a plan, you have to sort of stick with it, and you have to and you have to um, try and develop it, and that's just not happened so far this season. Chris, how about you? Well, after the Arsenal game, I wrote a piece, sort of basically looking at Steve Bruce's way, and as as you you raised the question earlier in the podcast, if it hasn't been his way for the first eighteen months, who has it been? And that is a question he didn't really. Give, provide an answer to which I can't necessarily <laughs> provide an answer to and then so basically I looked at well this is what's come before what 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 is the what has changed and what has the evidence come forward and there was eight changes the first time a Newcastle manager between Premier League matches has ever made so many changes between the two matches there was also a change in formation to 4-4-2 um, in a rather bizarre sort of way and that it was four before the game We'd been led to believe it was going to be four four two, but once the team sheet was announced, I just could not comprehend how the team was going to line up because you had four forwards, all of whom want to play centrally, and it turned out that actually Joe Linton and Almiron were playing as orthodox wingers. Now, I know Almiron has played there before, but it's not a more comfortable position. Joe Linton is not a winger. He just is not a winger, and we've seen that quite regularly. And so you, What is he, he though, put, Chris? Because I'm still trying to figure out what he actually is, not what he's not. What he's not. Do you know what I mean? Well, well, the most encouraging performances we've seen from Joe Linton is when he's been through the middle with someone like Wilson. So usually yeah. just behind him, sort of second striker, number 10. That's when he's been his most encouraging. I'm not saying that he's, he's set the world alight playing that position, but that's where... He seemed to look his best, but he's never he's never been played there long enough to really be able to develop that. I mean, when he played well against Burnley early in the season, he then was shunted out to the right in a four one four one in the next game. So 
the baffling thing about the, the team last night, last night in that sense was, again, like at Arsenal in the FA Cup, Andy Carroll was up front. What does Andy Carroll want? He wants crosses into the box, and there was nobody to provide those crosses. Yeah, the full neither the full backs are providing those crosses. Emil Kraft was back in right back in that baffling merry-go-round of players who continue to 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 be first choice right back in out of the team. And so I looked at w- what was different, not just in terms of personnel, not just in terms of shape, but on albeit a very small uh, portion in terms of what we can look at, small scale from one match and every single metric just about Newcastle were actually worse than they've been this season <laughs> so goals yeah. they've averaged one and obviously they didn't score uh, last night expected goals was 0.2 down down from 0.9 shots four rather than 8.6 shots on target one rather than three chances created were down big chances created touches in the opposition box and they actually conceded more goals on average faced more shots more shots on targets the only metric from the major ones that I picked up that they were actually slightly down on was saves by the goalkeeper which had gone down from 3.9 to 3 so it wasn't like it was a massive <laughs> improvement either but yeah. essentially on the evidence of last night and as I say it's only it's it's only one game and it's it's against an Arsenal team in reasonable form. But if anything, there was there was further regression in terms of this idea that Newcastle were going to be more attacking. Is is the implication strong implication was on Friday? Yeah, absolutely. Well, before uh, we move on, if you want to read those articles in full, let me remind you that you can sign up for The Athletic right now for just £3.99 a month for the first six months and enjoy unrivaled Newcastle coverage in 2021, as well as ad-free podcasts via the app. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. Thanks for those little teasers of those articles, lads. Let's move on and talk about, in a bit more detail, that Arsenal game last night. Uh, Another insipid, lifeless and truly appalling performance really uh, in the grand scheme of things um, but is it a surprise anymore this is this is what we've come to expect and it was pretty much business as usual wasn't it Chris it was business as usual but the difference business was worse than usual <laughs> well in some ways yeah I mean the, 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 the difference was that Steve Bruce on Friday tried to draw a line in the sand and basically was mm. saying this is the, this is the start of of, of what well, he, he called that he want he said that he wanted a response, which is a strange thing to insist that you want when your team's eight games without a win anyway. But he, he insisted that now, right now, we need a response. Last Tuesday was the the Nadia. We need to improve from this stage, and he and he, he it was bizarre his press conference on Friday, and then he came out and he described the gloves as being off when referring to his own team selection and basically dealing with his players. And again, it wasn't overly clear exactly what he was saying, but it was a strange sort of metaphor to use, but basically say, implying that at least for a large period of his 18 months in charge, he hasn't done things the way that he's wanted to do them. And so that's why on. I think... Yeah, exactly. He's kept going, and he's he has he's been I don't know led by the players or whatever. I mean, there was even some fans who, who were saying, "Oh, does this mean that Mike Ashley has been partly selecting the team?" That is categorically not been the case, and I think that we saw that at Sheffield United because sixty million pounds worth of forwards were left on the bench, and if Mike Ashley was picking the team, I'm pretty sure that that Joe Linton, the forty million pound striker, he's paid for, he'd be, he'd be trying to play to get something out of him. But that's why I think last night was so significant, and it's Steve Bruce given all the intense criticism that came after Sheffield United, given that he came out and described his team as being absolute shite on Friday in the press conference, he he, he drew that line in the sand and frigging useless, frigging hopeless, frigging hopeless, yeah. And so this was, he raised expectations on the fact that things were going to be different last night. And I think that in some ways that's why it almost felt worse because it was just certainly second Mm -hmm. half, more of the same. 
I mean, to be honest, the uh, the result against Arsenal isn't is not always going to be. You know, we, you don't really expect to get anything at Arsenal. You go to the Emirates; it's a tough game. Arsenal are a good team. I think what Newcastle needed was a reaction and a performance, and they just didn't get that, did they, George? No, and they're not a brilliant team at the moment, Arsenal either. I mean, that's the other thing. But no, I completely completely agree with Chris. It's like if this was setting your stall out, then A, it's a difficult game to do that for, but also there wasn't any sign of it. And I, I, said, on, I said on Twitter afterwards, you know, the one thing about this team is that there has been that ability to get a response and, and a reaction, and now that has just completely drained away. And so without that, there's nothing, there's nothing there. And that is the really worrying thing that that ability to sort of to you know to get to get a result when it's really needed has saved the team and has has allowed it to kind of reset. I mean, the th- the thing is, I think Chris has used that phrase in what he's written the kind of big reset. But he's done that. He's actually done a reset loads of times. He just hasn't called it that, and it sort of hasn't stuck. So it is concerning and it is alarming. I guess the one thing you have to sort of hope for maybe that's not the right kind of phrase but you know he has to stick with this if this is his big plan this is him doing it his way fine he has to carry on with it and he has to stick with it and he has to work on it and he has to make it so that people know what they're doing and supposed to be doing that's the key to it it's not just jettisoning it at the first sign of trouble and going back to where things were because it's not working I have to say as well I agree with what Chris was saying before about the team selection when it came out I looked at that and I just thought I don't I don't understand how this works. I don't understand what kind of team he's trying to put out here. It's not a defensive team. It's not an attacking team. It's just it's just kind of seems like, you know, just try and put players in positions and hope something clicks. It's getting to feel a little bit desperate to me now, Chris, and I'm slightly worried that as things go on, the players are going to start thinking, well, you know, what are we doing here? What what is what is the point of all this? We're not we're not getting anywhere every week. It's it, you, George said there, reset, and we you can't keep calling it a reset if it happens every fortnight. It just doesn't it doesn't work like that, does it, Chris? It doesn't. No, and I mean, I'll temper slightly the fact that he made eight changes. He, he wanted to stress that some of those were fitness related injuries. There was there's still some some uh, lingering COVID issues. I think in terms of player fatigue. So I think that partly enforced some of the changes, but. It's when you look at the, at the midfield, for example, and, and John Joe Shelby hadn't started since Brentford away after when he was dropped after that game, came in and, from my recollection, has very rarely, if ever, started a game with Matty Longstaff. So that partnership became a new midfield partnership. Matty Longstaff had been left out of the team in the last two games, bizarrely, is back in. The only, only two outfield players were retained from last week. As I say, a couple of those were injury-enforced, but that is a significant... To... to, to then say that this is your way now to for for eight changes to have occurred in a week really suggests well what was it last week what was so different last week? and it, it it did feel in some ways like this was like right roll the dice we'll go four four two we'll change it and go this way and and it just didn't for the first forty five minutes I thought that Newcastle actually defensively did okay it was a poor game and Arsenal were struggling but I thought Newcastle at points were doing all right Almiron was carrying the ball forward pretty well although decision making again eluded him and his teammates in the final third there was no cutting edge but then the second half it just completely fell apart and Newcastle were picked apart far too easily and the three goals were embarrassing absolutely embarrassing I feel I feel really sorry for Carl Darlow. I have to say the lad is doing everything, isn't he, George? He's really he's really acquitting himself brilliantly this season, and he's just not getting the protection that he deserves, is he? 
No, and it was quite an interesting point that that Jamie Carragher made on um, made on Sky on their coverage, um, which was very good. And I know we'll we'll mention this, but he he made a point about Newcastle being set up defensively, but not actually defending. And that yeah. is, it's we've said it's that like, a few times about them. We've we? said it. Well, yeah, exactly. And I'm glad it's kind of been spotted. He he set the team up ostensibly in an attacking lineup last night, and yet they don't attack. You know, one shot on target or whatever it was, and when they defend and when they, when they put everybody behind the ball, they still don't. You know, they they're not defending. It's not aggressive defending. It's not pressurized defending. I mean, yes, they're making blocks and last ditch challenges and things like that. But for the goals in particular, the amount of space that Arsenal had and the lack of pressure on the ball, I think that's one of the that it's 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 that word. It's passive. There is still that sort of passive nature to them and you've got to be ferocious ferocity should be like one of the first things that is that is indoctrinated into a team particularly a struggling team that you have to fight you have to fight for everything you have to fight for every inch moving forward or going or going back and they stand off that is the scary thing i mean it's proper it has to properly be alarm bell stuff now you know they can't score a goal and they're conceding too many they look like a, a team that's scared and Carragher mentioned this on his on his post-match uh, analysis as well. As soon as the opposition gets the ball over the halfway line, the back four or the back five, they look over their shoulder and go back to the edge of their own box. Instead of pressing a little bit higher, we drop off instantly. And, and they look, to me, like a team that is absolutely terrified of conceding a goal, Chris. Yeah, they do, they, they do, and and that I suppose filters down for the man. The manager may come out and say that he wants them to play higher, but it's about actually improving them and about making sure that they are higher up the pitch and that they do defend better and they do create chances. And and ultimately, the responsibility is his. And I I, I messaged you guys on, on WhatsApp earlier, basically saying that I want to have a bit of a rant. And I I, I was I was this morning I, I woke up infuriated. And I think part of the reason what behind why I was so infuriated was I tried to sort of suppress my anger last night when I wrote the piece. I was up to yeah. the earlier I was writing this this piece, this analysis piece. But the more I thought back to Steve Bruce's post-match remarks and his post-match press conference was the change again from Friday to today. So Friday comes out and says that absolute shite, says they were friggin' hopeless, and basically says that all criticism coming their way is fully deserved. Then, by Monday, suddenly the the narrative's changed a little bit, and Newcastle lost at Sheffield United after a poor first half because there was a dodgy VAR decision, and you know, a lot of, a lot of what's been said and mm. written is, is, is it basically implying it's been over the top. When the manager has come out and used those phrases himself and accepted all this on Friday, and then suddenly by Monday, it's changed. And Newcastle fans are, watch the games every week. Newcastle see the lack of progress. They've seen that this has been coming, and I think that's what's so infuriating for so many supporters out there, is that Bruce, Bruce, we've talked about Bruce's use of language before, but over the over the course of the last couple of weeks, it's almost treating Sheffield United and then treating last night as if the isolated instance. He was talking on Friday about hand grenades, and he and he equated Sheffield United to. Brentford and to Norwich last season and to Leicester last season but the reality is that th- those were just the the culmination of what have been so many bad performances over such a long period of time when Newcastle have just managed to get their comeuppance and that's what is so frustrating it's 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 it, I just found it exasperating that he 
and I know he's under pressure and I know there's not very much he can say which, which would make people um, actually really want to listen to what he's got to say but it, it almost feels like it's trying to pull the wool over people's eyes as to what they see every week and I think that over the last couple of weeks more and more pundits who are actually starting to watch Newcastle on a more regular basis are seeing that Newcastle's fans have genuine legitimate gripes about the team and they are concerned because this is a trend and at the moment they are getting sucked really towards that bottom three it's no wins in nine in all competitions they've got one goal in seven games one in open play in eight games they they, they really really are in a big big mess and I don't know whether Steve Bruce is either deluding himself publicly or is deliberately trying to deflect from that, but Newcastle fans watch the games, they can see what's going on and they yeah. are right to be concerned. Well, like you say, the pundits are starting to pick up on it now, aren't they? And, and the, the Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher chat from last night was very interesting. I think we've got a clip, actually, of the of some of Gary Neville here talking about Newcastle. The unhappiness towards this manager is embedded just from the history rather than from who he is or, what, or the job that he's doing. If I was a Newcastle fan, I'd be unhappy now. I'd be unhappy under Rafa Benitez. I'd be unhappy under Steve McLaren. I'd be unhappy under the previous three managers before that. It's been appalling for the last 10 or 12 years. I think choosing to sort of look between sort of Rafa Benitez and Steve Bruce, I don't see any difference. Uh, because the key thing for me in football is points. Rafa Benitez spent two seasons in the Premier League. He's a manager who's regarded as one of the best in the world. Over the last 10, 15 years, he's, I think, was on £6 million a year at Newcastle. I don't think probably four times the amount of Steve Bruce. In his first season, he got 44 points. In his second season, he got 45 points. And last season, Steve Bruce got 44 points. He's matched him for points. If you just look at the last four seasons after this amount of games, Rafa Benitez had 15 points in 2017-18. He had 16 points in 2018-19. Steve Bruce last year had 22 points and this year he's got 19 points. So for all those nice little stats that Jamie showed us that Rafa Benitez has got 1% extra possession and 0.2 extra of a goal, Steve Bruce has actually got more points at this stage of the season than Rafa Benitez is in both his Premier League seasons. What Rafa Benitez has is a fantastic... PR company, people like Jamie, and he had a wonderful rapport with the fans because of the fact he got them out of the championship and he stuck with the club, so he demonstrated loyalty. And he gave them hope. And he gave them, he gave them hope, but I, honestly, I thought the football was awful when I went up there. So do you think the football is awful now? I do. My point is, Who this, you blame is, for that this is something that's culturally set at Newcastle United. It is not a Steve Bruce problem, and I'm not, you know, I've not spoken to Steve Bruce for 12 years, even though I played with him. I, that's right, this is not a Steve Bruce defence piece. Newcastle have got a cultural problem where the football expectation up there is attacking, enthralling, thrilling football for the fans who are passionate about the club. And they've been served up dire tripe for about 10 years. It's nothing to do with the last four years. But isn't it possible to give them that kind of football? I mean, we were a few but weeks no ago, asked. you were praising Leeds who United, who you, you were talking about. Well, so of course you can give them that type of football. But my point is, the ownership and the executive at that club have not delivered that football to these fans for years and years. It's nothing to do with Steve Bruce or Rafa Benitez. I think it's been awful for years going up there. I get demoralised now when I go to Newcastle. I should be inspired. There's a lot There's a lot of what Gary Neville says there that I agree with, but there's also quite a bit in there that I don't agree with as well. Um, the, 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 the endless comparisons to Rafa Benitez uh, and, his, and his time at the club, they're, they're not helping the situation at the moment. And there's a lot of what he says there, which I feel is, a, is slightly disingenuous, to be honest. I don't, And also, I think he needs to remember that this is a very different squad and a different team to what Rafa Benitez had at the time. I personally think this is the best team we've had or the best squad we've had since we were promoted. 
And I think somebody should be able to get a tune out of this team. And at the minute, Steve Bruce isn't doing it. So I do agree that the rot is caused by Mike Ashley. And I do agree that the the, the problems at Newcastle United go a lot deeper than Steve Bruce. And there are a lot more than just Steve Bruce and his management. But somebody should be able to get a tune out of those players. I mean, the first thing to say is that it was a really good debate and um, it was compelling. It was sort of, it was kind of angry and it was good. And Jamie Carragher, I think, sort of probably spoke for more Newcastle fans when he spoke about hope and what had been lost, what's been lost at the club. He also pointed out, you know, individual sort of stats which showed, you know, not including points, as uh, Gary Neville pointed out, that there has been a decline in the last couple of years. And I think I think the interesting thing about it, from my point of view, was that they're actually on the same side. Bigger picture, they're absolutely one hundred percent on the same side of the argument. So the club will not get better under this ownership, and that is the cause of this. You know, as Neville says, the sort of institutionalized malaise that there is at the club. And he's right. He's right to say that the football has not been good for a long time. It hasn't. There have been flashes. You know, Rafa's last six months or five months, whatever it was was good and positive and there was a sense of something being built there. But overall, he's right. The football was horrible. It was horrible to see a manager like Benitez sort of diminished in this way, having to kind of to be so contained because he was so afraid of relegation. That's not new. I mean, that was what we all felt at the time, you know, yeah. and, and so he is right to say that. But I don't think he's right to say to sort of completely take take the blame away from from this manager and i think yeah i think carragher did sort of um get get to grips with that really well in the sense of it's that lot of hope around the team and the club and that did start when benitez left for reasons again we all know and at the moment the football isn't providing any hope whatsoever and so it was anyway. It was a really good debate. I'm really pleased they did it. We don't, you know, the whole point of a debate is that we're not supposed to agree with everything that everybody says. I mean, that's, you know, that's the idea of it. It was just a really sort of good debate. And I would, I'm very, very briefly, just like to mention Dave Jones, uh, the anchor for Sky, who actually rang me up yesterday, and he said he's said I'm welcome to mention this, so that's why I'm doing it. But he rang me up to say that they were going to do this, and asked to do a bit of research with me and had had that chat just a, around mm, that's good. what the arguments were. So I do think it's important we you know we we give pundits stick sometimes but the Monday night football crew are so good. You can't help but watch that program whoever they're showing and come away with it feeling sort of more informed um learning something and it was just nice to see Newcastle debated in a way that yeah. doesn't have this, you know, the starting point being fans are ridiculously, uh, you know, uh, expectant, demand, you know, they're demanding this and Steve Bruce is a great fella and, you know, he's doing a great job. That's not the starting point for the debate. The starting point for the debate was, yes, there is malaise. What does that mean? And so that was so refreshing. That was so refreshing. So thank you for that, Sky. Can we use diatribe as our new tagline, please? <laughs> Dire tribe. That's going to be my Dire Straits tribute band, uh, which I'm going to be starting when the pubs reopen. Excellent. Well, still to come, uh, we'll be returning to the great Newcastle United pub quiz and we'll be talking about our memories of being in away ends down the years. We'll be back right after this. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. 
Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Right then, ladies and gents, it's time to revisit the great Newcastle United pub quiz. I'm going to hand you over to your master of ceremonies for this week, your quiz master, if you will. Mr. George Corkin is in the hot seat. George, would you like to take it from here? Yes, I would. I'm setting this quiz in the free trade pub, by the way, because we, th- we, sh- oh. we should have done that last week. I want us to imagine that the sun's going down. It's a summer's evening. We've just moved inside the pub because there's a chill in the air. We're looking out those big windows that look down across the Tyne towards the bridge. We can see St James's Park just in the corner of our eyes. Let's not let that spoil us. We've got a mild buzz. We've got a mild buzz from three pints of nutty ale. I've just opened a couple of bags of cheese, onion, crisps. They're splayed in front of us. Right, Okay. you ready? You've painted that picture beautifully, George. Thank you. Oh, God, so a pint. Can you imagine that? Um, right, so three rounds with a possible tiebreaker. I'm starting uh, with the first round, which I'm just calling Ancient History, a.k.a. when we were good. All right? <laughs> so, Chris, I'm coming time. to you first. I'm coming to you first, Chris. In which year did Newcastle first win the league title? <laughs> I'm going to have to help um, you, Chris. Well, early, early 1904. Oops. Oh, that was so close, Chris. But no, I'm afraid you're wrong. It was 1905. Actually, maybe I should have come to Taylor for a bonus, but it's too late for that. Right, Taylor. I wouldn't have got that anyway. (laughs) Taylor. Yes. Colin Veach was one of Newcastle's Edwardian-era heroes, winning three league titles, an FA Cup, and getting to five other FA Cup finals. Yes. He was also a renaissance man of extraordinary breadth and talent. Which Tyneside theatre did he co-found? Oh, I know this. This is bollocks. This is far easier question. I would have got this. I know this. I read this in a True Faith article a few years ago. This is the People's Theatre, isn't it? This is this. This is a disgrace. That, that's Shut up, Chris. Chris. This is an absolute Chris. disgrace. Listen, Alice's listen. family are involved in the People's Theatre. That's, why I, got, didn't, that that's why I didn't ask you. Listen to this. Listen, listen, to, little, listen, listen to this. Thank you. That's for a correct answer. Yes. Um, so it's 1-0 to Taylor after round one. Round Stop two. On that. We've been a lot of be, a lot has been made of Steve Bruce's public comments recently. So I'm describing this round. I'm calling this round wit and wisdom. Okay, I think this is an easy round, but you let me know. Come Chris, on. which of the following was not a mispronunciation during Joe Kinnear's infamous Talksport interview before his return to the club as director of football? Okay, which of the following was not a mispronunciation? 
Derek Lumbesey, Ben Afra, Mike Arsley, Johan Kebabs, Shola Amamobi, or Galtierrez? Uh, Mike Arsley. That was so easy. <laughs> Look, I, I need silence for my dinging, okay? Right. Is this what you went off to find, your, your little dingy bell? Yes, I got to find me right. dinging, yeah. Right, Taylor. <laughs> Remember, it's wit and wisdom. Which of the yeah. following was not an excuse deployed by Alan Pardew for a <laughs> poor result or Newcastle's struggles during his tenure at the club? Okay, yeah. does that make sense, that question? Yeah, yeah, go on. Right. Science. Yeah. The class system. Yeah. The World Cup. Yeah. The fluctuating price of cryptocurrency Bitcoin, the Notting Hill Carnival, or grass? Um, it was the fluctuating price of cryptocurrency Bitcoin. Yes! Pretty easy, really. I mean, I'll just go very briefly through it. Science, it's science against me. The class yep. system, the players who come out of Southampton are quite intelligent, and there might be something in that. The World Cup. We were affected by the World Cup. There's no doubt about that in my mind. The Notting Hill Carnival. Today was a little bit unfair on us. We couldn't move the game to Sunday because of the Notting Hill Carnival and grass. <laughs> the grass was a bit long for our liking. Right. Round three. And at the uh, at this at this stage, it is... What was the score? 2-1 to Taylor. Yes. To disgrace. Very tense. Aston Villa. Chris. Steve Bruce managed Aston Villa for 102 matches. Of those games, did he win 46, 42, or 40? I'll ask you again. I'll ask that again. Chris Bruce. Chris Bruce? Jeez. Chris Bruce. Steve Bruce. Come on. Steve Bruce managed Aston Villa for 102 <laughs> matches. Of those games, did he win 46, 42, or 40? 42. Wah, wah. Oops. Get in. Which means that Taylor is in an unassailable position here. Taylor, Steve yeah. Bruce was sacked by Aston Villa in October 2018 after a three-all draw with Preston in which a cabbage was thrown at him. <laughs> what position were the club in the championship at that time? 12th, 14th or 10th? I think they were 12th. It's a guess. It's a pure guess. Get it! Correct. Wow. Oh, pick that out, Three Waffles. Ones. I mean, Three I can't one, even huh? win next week because I'm going to be Quizmaster as well, so I'm going to be the only one who hasn't won three weeks in. This isn't... Oh, I'm, that's I mean, true, that's relegation it? form, Chris. That is relegation I know, form. I know. I feel like Steve Bruce is Newcastle United right now. Uh, Damn, I've got no Chris, direction. Think, I've got no idea what's going on. I think what you need to do, Chris, is get the gloves off, dust yourself down and start doing things your way. Yeah, complete Definitely. reset. Yeah, reset. Right, things. I did have a time break. It wasn't very good. Come on, but I'm going to ask it very, very quickly. Just out of interest, all right? So Villa Park, Sunday, 24th of May, 2019. It's the day of Aston Villa won, Newcastle nil and relegation. The day of Sob on the Tyne and Who's Your Next Messiah, Until Deck. Um, what was the attendance at Villa Park that day? Just give me it to the nearest 1,000. Uh, 41,000. Okay. Taylor? Um, I'm going to say 40,000. All right. Well, Chris would have won that because it was forty-two thousand five hundred eighty-five. But good get, good oh, guess. Does that mean that? Does that mean that, that salvage me? Does that mean I drew the quiz? No, because that was the tiebreak. 
it's just I spent I spent I spent all of thirty seconds researching that. So I just wanted my research to be you know to pay pay dividends. Well done. I enjoyed that. That was great. So just to recap, then I think so far the quiz scores are. George has won one week, I've won one week, and Chris, how many have you won now? Well you see, I'm a work in progress, so um this is this is this is just the start of this is just the start of my tenure. So we've got eighteen yeah, months to wait until you win a week. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily with twenty four seven US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You've just mentioned Villa there. Uh, George, looking forward, or looking ahead even, I don't think we're looking forward to it, are we? Looking ahead to, uh, to Aston Villa on Saturday at 8 o'clock. This is obviously, is this the game that was rearranged? It is, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it is. It is, yes. Yeah. 8 o'clock on Saturday I mean, night, I can so confirm. We can confirm looking this. ahead to that game, what the hell is Steve Bruce going to do next? What needs to happen? What needs to change? Uh, what do we expect from Newcastle United on Saturday? Well, I, th- I I would expect him to stick to his stick to his guns. I mean, albeit those guns um, were like spud guns against uh, against Arsenal. <laughs> but if you're if you're putting setting the store by changing and doing it your way, then surely you have to stick with it. Feels like a big game, doesn't it? It feels like a really big game. I mean, they all do. They feel like big games, but small occasions. I think that's sort of what it. It's the sort of that. That's that's the sort of depressing nature of it. But he's got a week on the training ground now, um, so has to use it, or you know, most of a week. And St. Maximan's back in contention, back in training. Will we see him uh, back in the squad? That'll be interesting. But I can't just say I can't keep saying they need a response because that's you know because we, we're saying that every week there should have been a response to. Sheffield United. There should have been a resp- there should have been a response to Brentford. There should have been a res- response to Leeds. Um, but we. So what we're looking for now, signs of life, signs of a pulse. There needs to be a reaction, doesn't there, of some kind, Chris? The, the, the team has to has to make some kind of uh, effort towards towards turning around this this slump that we're in at the minute. Well, I've got two games in in the space of four days, and they are huge. Leeds on. A week on a week today, uh, so it'll be six days from when this podcast goes out. It feels massive because that that's a home match. Leeds t- tore them apart at, at Elland Road, and they need to get a, at least one positive result from those two games. Ideally, I think they need at least four points just to try and arrest the slide a little bit. Um, this game, as you said, is hastily rearranged for. Uh, most other clubs, it's FA Cup fourth round weekend. Usually for Newcastle United, other than last season, it's like a weekend off. But because they needed to play, <laughs> yeah. normally this, in Dubai uh, this week, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> they had to play this fixture, so so they've put that they've put that in there, and it's. I mean, Villa, it's a, it, the one advantage I suppose Newcastle have in, in some sort of ways is Villa are sort of going through something similar to what Newcastle did at the start of, of, of December, that Villa have had some serious COVID issues themselves and so it'll be interesting to see what sort of team they can actually field and how they are affected by it. Um, and so that, 
um, excuse, if you want to call it that, that or basically something which you could say was sort of a just reason as to why Newcastle maybe struggled recently. They can't really use that this weekend because Villa have gone through exactly the same. And if anything, Newcastle's preparations are being far better than Villa's in that sense. So it it needs to be far more uh, of, a, of an offensive performance and that he, he can put out attacking players, but they actually have to attack and they actually have to create opportunities because Callum Wilson, I remember when he, when he first signed, he, he said a lot of stuff about how um, he was joining Newcastle over Villa because he wanted to go to a team where he thought they'd create chances to him. I actually asked him the question this summer. I said, whack, if, if whack, you watch this team, and yeah. <laughs> I said, if you watch this team, and, and has actually said, has the manager explained to you how he wants to play and how it's going to be more offensive? And I was actually enthused at the thought of, oh, that he must have, this must have been the case because if Callum Wilson thinks this, then he's been told it's going to be loads of opportunities. And he sort of fudged his answer a little bit and just said, oh, I want to play with the likes of Alan Sam Maxim and Miguel Morano who create chances. And I think six months on, he's, he's really finding out what it's like to play as a centre forward in this team. Yes, there definitely needs to be a response from Newcastle. We'll see uh, what happens with that on Saturday night. Fingers crossed there is some kind uh, of action and, and Newcastle can get something from that game. Let's uh, let's move on to our last little bit before we finish up for the day, chaps. Uh, this is uh, going back into the archives again. Cast your minds back to a year ago this week before COVID, before lockdowns, before any of that shite, when the world was a better place and we could still go to the pub and have a lovely pint. Let's play a little clip from Newcastle 2 Everton 2 all eyes on the referee Richie towards the right defenders in the box controlled by Fernandez. played across chance here for Newcastle and another and it's saved on the line have they got it in they can't scramble it in it, it's gone in it's an equaliser the referee has looked at his watch and from absolutely nowhere Newcastle United have scored two goals deep into added on time Incredible late, late show at Goodison Park. This game was gone. It was gone. And the referee, thanks to the goal line technology, has given them a second here against Everton. It's definitely a goal. And somehow they have managed to salvage a point. They've got an equaliser. Absolutely wow. wonderful commentary there by Matthew Riesbeck. What Beautiful. an absolutely ridiculous five minutes of football that was. And an astonishing game an astonishing end to a game uh, what what an experience George you were in the way end that day weren't you that must have been nuts oh it was brilliant it was absolutely brilliant it was and it's yeah and I, I wrote a piece the next day and it was it's still got a headline on the site now these beautiful bastard heartbreakers this fucking club the maddening <laughs> inescapable beauty of the away of the away end and it was just one of those nuts moments and I think it's those moments that we've we've lost in this life of ours now, and it's <laughs> what I so crave. It's, yeah, I mean, I can't say that I was a regular in the away end because I'm not. I've been a journalist for 20 years, and so that really it was the point. That was the point of going. I just picked a random match to sort of write about that, you know, the experience of it. And oh my god, to be lost in those 90 seconds, whatever it was, those two minutes, that five minutes afterwards, where all you've got in your head is just this spinning, laughing nonsense and not quite <laughs> computing what's happened and it yeah. makes all of it worthwhile and the thing is our football now is not that Newcastle haven't had those moments because they they have I mean there's they've not been as many this season because they you know the luck hasn't been with them in the same way this season you know they, they're not getting those 
astonishing results anymore this season or less of them but we don't even when something good happens it's just gone it's like gone and that was just brilliant and this the singing of this team they call you we call united and singing that over and over again um you know and we miss you know away 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 games are sort of horrific in lots of ways you and i know that taylor from the our visit to west brom last season in the cup but <laughs> yeah. but they're funny and they're vital and they're raw there's puke everywhere there's horrible smells there's people pissed out of their head. sorry mean, about that yeah there was a there was a bloke I, I told this i told the story in my first paragraph talking about that as there's this piss lad walking back from a concession stand holding a foot long hot dogs smothered in ketchup and he just looked down at it and said horse cock and I just I mean it's just random random things like that it was just fabulous what a fucking night that was amazing I mean if somebody had said on 90 minutes Chris that Newcastle were going to draw this game 2-2 Florian Florian Lejeune was going to score both the goals and one of them was going to be an overhead kick you would have called him a special ambulance wouldn't you and you would have had the lad taken away that was just an, an absolutely ridiculous end of the game Oh, it was. I mean, for, for 90 minutes, Newcastle were awful as well. That was another game you look at, and Newcastle were terrible. I mean, Everton weren't particularly good, but Newcastle were absolutely terrible. And did Lejeune come on as a substitute? I think he did. And it was he like, did, what yes. a sub was like, well, why, why is Florian Lejeune coming on when you need a goal? And, he to and then he scored two goals. As you say, one of them was a wonderful uh, overhead kick, and the other one's a, a good finish as well, given that it's, got, it's quite acrobatic in, in the circumstances. And it was just... I mean, I can only, I was in the press box, so I can only take it from that point of view. I can only imagine what it was like in the away end because there was just utter confusion in, in the press box. And obviously there was, I didn't have to file that night. So whereas everyone else had mad rewrites that they had to do that, they completely changed the entire article. Whereas the away end, it was, what was what, what I remember vividly was the fact that as you heard from uh, from Matthew Beerspeck on the commentary, is that there was a sort of five second period where nobody really knew what had happened, and so you can the, the ground almost went silent, and then all of a sudden the away end just erupted again, and it was just brilliant, and all the Newcastle players ran because the away ends at yeah. sort of the other corner, and all the Newcastle players ran and were celebrating. It was just absolutely fantastic, yeah. Yeah, absolutely amazing, and we're we're missing those we're missing those experiences, aren't we, Chris? We're missing the away days. I know I'm certainly missing them. I didn't get to go to many because of work and stuff like that. But when I did go, they they're wonderful, wonderful occasions. And even if Newcastle don't uh, win, which you know they very rarely do anyway, but if if Newcastle don't play brilliantly, you still have fantastic days out, and you still have a great time. Uh, one of the best the best ones I can remember was going to West Brom away in the 2011-12 season. Uh, the back end of that season with uh, Alan Pardew in charge and Newcastle played some of the best attacking football I've seen um, f- the team play in, in years and years in a 4-3-3 with Ben Arthur and CC and Denver Bar. And it, it was just a great, great day out. The atmosphere was amazing. The people were brilliant. The company was fantastic. And I miss that dearly now. I really want us to get back to that. Um, and, and it's such a shame that we're in the position we're in at the minute where fans can't be in grounds and, uh, and you know, hopefully hopefully we shall see a light at the end of the tunnel where that's concerned coming up uh, in the next few months well, what I like most about away I mean going to away games usually for, for my job at the moment uh, are very few away games I'm actually going to because given Covid restrictions and given we have a reporter for all uh, 20 Premier League clubs it tends to be only one per organisation so I'm tending to just do the matches at St James's Park and so I'm missing out on that travelling but also when I go to those away games chatting to fans in the pub after or in the hotel or when you're arriving at the ground that for me is also part of the experience and it, I think that that makes me better informed and you're actually hearing from people who are on the ground it's like being at St James's Park when it's full you you, you feed off the crowd you listen to, to different views you, you can actually really gauge 
the opinion it's different and it and I know that I'm in a privileged position being able to go to the football matches at the moment but it, it, it isn't anything like what it should be and the sooner we can get back safely to having some supporters and grounds then, then the better because it really is a diluted version of what we know. Absolutely. And I think that's a good note to end on. So thank you very much, gents. Thanks a lot. You lot out there for listening as well. Please remember to hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss a show and leave us a review and a rating. We'll see you next week on Pod on the Tyne. Take care of yourselves. Be safe. And we shall speak to you soon. Cheers. Bye-bye. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.